0: Black superhero, I'm a weirdo. Let me tell you why we here though. In your earlow, Pierce, like a weirdo shaka Zulu, Nigas. We've been sleeping. Kakado, dude, the force is strong within you. You got the juice, black of the berry, Obama's in you. Luke, we about to break up. In
1: this episode, we sit with Pierce Freelon to discuss the importance of space, particularly his creation of black space, a local digital maker space for black and brown youth. For Pierce, Black Space came out of his realization that not all space is equal. Thus, creating the need to forge a space where black and brown youth can thrive. Okay, cool. Pierce, I first want to know what is Black Space? What yeah. is Black Space and what does it seek to do?
0: Uh, black Space is a digital maker space uh, based in downtown Durham at American Underground. We also have a studio in Chapel Hill on Franklin Street. Uh, we seek to create a breathing space for children of African descent uh, where they can create uh, build, tinker wonder, explore uh, any medium um, as we try to co-create what freedom and liberation looks like uh, Mm -hmm. as black folks and we do that and lead that exploration through the digital arts mostly Um, you know coding and Music production, sound design, but also like poetry, The Cypher is a weekly event that we do. We do an open mic. Uh, We just want kids to to feel like they can breathe and be unapologetic and creative um, as we, you know, attempt to, in the words of Octavia Butler, great Afrofuturist, shape change, um, you know, in this world. I see. So freedom
1: and liberation, mm-hmm. those two words are sitting with me, particularly as it pertains to using your art, using music, using coding, visual arts, which I'm looking around and I see some really cool visual arts. How do you think they participate in bringing forth a mindset or even just a reality of the
0: well, uh, for me, black liberation isn't something that we've seen yet. And so as folks dedicated to, to ideas like freedom, uh, we need to be able to dream and to imagine and to envision what that world looks like so we can manifest it. So one of the things like black spaces, uh, one of our kind of logos, icons, is, a, is, a, is an Afro knot. Mm-hmm. And that is Afronaut, like an African astronaut, you know. Mm-hmm. And And, uh, you know, in that I, I think of uh, what we do here as a breathing space is we create like an atmosphere, literally, figuratively. You know, we burn sage, we burn Palo Santo. You know, we make sure that when kids walk into the space, it feels like they can exhale, they can take a deep breath. A lot of these structures out here... Uh, you know we've, we've learned from from black feminists from black feminists that that there exists not just racism and patriarchy and sexism and mm-hmm. but you know that they're interlocked and, and oppression is intersectional um, and so when we want to dream about creating like a breathing space um, you know you need to create you need to put your creative lens on to be able to envision that in order to uh, manifest that in order to experience that. And and slivers, uh, because out there, um, you know, if you're if you're black on a predominantly white campus and dealing with microaggressions, if you're a woman trying to go jogging at night, if you're queer in a space where you know homophobic lyrics are popping on the radio, you know, those things can be very like literally asphyxiating. It can it can take the breath out your. Out your lungs and it can be depressing or it can be assaulting or you know distressing and so we hope to create you know a a, a space where where um where we don't have to deal with any of that and so when we start from that point what is it what does it look to like to feel and to engage and to create amongst each other as black folks um you know, doing our best to keep those things at bay in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, like the, the, the metaphor of, you know, of like a mask and a, and a suit, uh, a protective, you know, um, environment and atmosphere for, um, you know, for, for liberation to be tasted mm-hmm. and experimented on and experienced. Um, that's the source from which we are going to spring forward and, and say we're not going to deal with this we we know what the alternative situation can be like the alternative learning environment can be like we've dreamed up better situations than this one mm-hmm. and I feel like there there isn't an ancestor out there, name one that wasn't a dreamer For their time, you know, and the obvious, uh, the obvious um, cliche would be Martin Luther King Jr. I have a dream, you know, we hear that every, every, you know, Black History Month. That's in the McDonald's commercial. I have a dream. But, you know, take it back, like Ella Baker, you know, what what type of world was she dreaming? What type of dream dream universe? What type of alternate reality was Polly Murray talking about? Ollie Murray. You know what I mean? Episcopal preach Please. queer black mm-hmm. y'all you me. Know what I mean? mm-hmm. well, planet are you living on? Mm-hmm. Harriet Tubman like mm-hmm. you are on some other shit. You know, as we need to be. Yeah. If we want to if we want to see through what we currently got towards something that where we need to go. And I think that um that is what one of the things that black space attempts to do is create a set a new standard so that we can um we can tap into our imagination and and create um better systems and dream up better alternatives to to the world that we currently uh, occupy
1: brother that's real that's real i um i'm intrigued by this concept afrofuturism I recently heard it, and I, I want to know if you'd be willing to expound upon it. Astrofuturism. Sure. And I think you mentioned Octavia Butler is associated with that way of thinking.
0: Yeah, um, Octavia is a, you know, preeminent science fiction author and often writes about dystopian futures um, and as and a prophet, I think, um... I think she was a prophet, like Tupac was a prophet, and Nina Simone is a prophet. We have so many prophets uh, out of the black radical tradition that give us glimpses into the future, that give us like alternative ways to flip things in the present, that give us a clearer lens of what's going on and where we need to go and where we've been. They're time travelers, you know, um, these, these prophets. And um, when I think of Afrofuturism, I think about... You know, black folks um, being uh, putting themselves in, in, a, in the in the driver's seat of, of our collective spaceship as a species. Like we need we need the people who've been suffering and struggling the most to be at the forefront of our of creating strategies and solutions for how to get through this mess. In an Afrofuturist paradigm. You know, it, it's tied to science fiction and to music, people like Parliament Funkadelic and Sun Ra, writers like Octavia Butler and filmmakers like... um yes. Coogler, Coogler. Ryan Kugler. You know, and Ryan Coogler, when I, think about, um, when I think about his career, it's interesting. I remember when Fruitvale Station came out, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what an important film for both of their careers, but also to tell the story. There's no... I don't remove that from... Colin Kaepernick and from the movement for black lives and from you know we need stories and Mm storytellers to help us come rally around issues of social justice and of black liberation and so even before that he had an amazing uh, film and he was still a student and he like um, he reminds me of Kugler was an athlete college um, sports guy football player Mm-hmm. in California um it reminds me of Ernie Barnes the Durham native who played pro football and then and then quit the sport to be a painter and ended up painting wow. you know the Sugar Shack painting which was based in in uh the Durham Armory that was the setting for that beautiful painting which was you know the cover of Marvin Gaye's I Want You Album and was on the beginning of Good Times this iconic painting from this football player from Durham who you know, um, who who was a celebrity and an icon in his own right as an athlete, but was also an artist and a creative. And uh, Ryan Coogler, in my mind, steps into that tradition of the Jim Browns and the you know mm-hmm. and others that have stepped out of the sports arena to do not just creative work but important political creative work. Um, and so in grad school he had this short film called Locks where it was uh, it was about a brother spoiler alert brothers like walking around basically being racially profiled mm-hmm. and he cuts his hair and as he walks out there's all these dreads like looking at him like man yeah. you know i like i get it but damn man this is rough this is rough and then when he gets home he takes his bag of hair and he throws it at his sister And she looks at him and starts crying and she takes her wig off and come to find out that he was shaving his head to be in solidarity with her because she had cancer, not because of the stereotypes around which do exist. Mm -hmm. It's a silent film. There's no dialogue. All of this is just told through facial expression and gesture and walking you know walk he just basically the film is he leaves home walks to the barbershop and comes back you know but you could see like the cops Heming brothers up on the street and people you know so great storyteller you know to me uh, black panther makes complete sense people think like oh this, these kids came out of nowhere you know but but there's actually a lot of work that that has gone in a career of excellence a career of discipline a career of consciousness a lifetime of of thoughtful introspection now When I think about black space, what I'm trying to do is like nurture baby cooglers who are going to go and do that work. Because a lot of us individually, if we come up in the right family, in the right zip code, if we have the right lucky draw of resources, Mm -hmm. we may have, like I did... Uh, a, a dad who's an architect a mom who's a singer people who nurture us in the arts and encourage us to be creative a lot of my creative friends haven't even had those kinds of resources they're bucking against their parents who are telling them to get a real job or be a lawyer or a doctor yeah. go to college do the right thing you know the the we don't have a lot of spaces as black folks to be weird and creative and um, and to and, and I'm, And be free. free. We don't have the leeway to be able to to step outside of a traditional, you know, lifestyle and still have viable opportunities to be successful and to make mistakes and take a gap year or try this out for a little bit and see if I like it. Those are not the types of um, uh, um, opportunities that are available to us given capitalism and white supremacy and greed and and I was gonna say gerrymandering well yeah gerrymandering but also redlining and you know just all you name it what what situation haven't we been through as a people that that gives us very you know very little uh wiggle room and so but what you, find, what you find is when you give kids access to that, just the sparks are amazing. There's such deep wellsprings of creative energy and thought uh, within each of us that oftentimes go untapped or are discouraged. And I got to tell you a story. Today I was at Brogdon Middle School. My band, The Beast, we do workshops in schools. So we do gigs, but another big part of what The Beast does is we do, through the Durham Arts Council, we do workshops. And so I had one, I had two yesterday in Raleigh, and I had one today. Um, actually, it wasn't Raleigh. It was Clayton. It was like rural North Carolina. Um, it's, it can be tough out there sometimes because you know the whole curriculum is about black music, and you know a lot of these are predominantly white. Black Once places. you get out of like the urban areas, there's definitely rural black communities, but it's a lot of you know rural areas. Let's just leave it at that. Um, but anyway, so t- this morning though. It was crazy because I was, side story about yesterday, I was, uh, we're teaching the kids about three elements of black music. Those are uh, storytelling, improvisation, and call and response. Mm. And while I'm listing these things off, three things off, the kids are in the crowd going like this, which is the hand signal for white power. You mm. can't see it because it's a podcast, but three fingers up. You know, almost like an OK sign, but the thumb sticks out to make a P, makes a WP, stands for white power. It's a Ku Klux Klan, you know, wow. a Nazi thing. Wow. That's the kind of thing that we encounter when we're doing this workshop out in rural North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But that's a sidebar. Mm-hmm. And, but also, those are the types of climates that many black kids who live in these rural areas have to li- live in on the daily, which is why spaces like black space, we don't even have to deal with that because we're here with each other That's what makes this a breathing space because you got kids in your classroom who are whatever, you know, um, not trying to let you live literally and figuratively. So, anyway, so that was yesterday. Today, different story. I'm in Brogdon Middle School. Uh It's a black and Latinx primarily school. Actually, Brogdon. I don't know, maybe Brogdon is an elementary school. I can't remember. Anyway, we were at Brogdon. It's in North Durham. Um, and uh, we're performing our songs, and uh, we're encouraging the kids to, like, there's one song in particular, we're encouraging kids to get up and dance. And then from that song through the whole set, they, every time we played music, they would get up and dance. Wow. And um, that's not normally how it happens. Usually we, they dance when we tell them to dance, and usually they're supposed to sit down. Oftentimes, teachers will flock in and try to tell them to settle down. You're not supposed to dance. Uh, but this school was really laid back. We had There were teachers getting up, dancing with the kids. It was beautiful. This
1: was a predominantly
0: black and Latinx Predominantly school. black and Latinx school. And um, it was dope. So at the end of the workshop, I went and told the principal, I was like, yo, I love how you didn't stop the kids from dancing. They were dancing to jazz music. We played when the saints go marching in because the curriculum starts with spirituals. First of all, we play them some original songs, mm-hmm. hip hop. Then we take them back. We're like spirituals were first. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, our ancient West African griots—they were just storytellers. So I kick a verse a cappella. Then we go spirituals. We play them Amazing Grace. We do mm-hmm. jazz. Mm-hmm. We play them reggae, and we end with hip hop. It kind of like shows them the trajectory that black music has taken over, you know, the past five hundred years or whatever. Anyway, so the point is, kids were dancing, and um, oftentimes black and brown kids express themselves in ways that are different from other kids in other mm-hmm. schools. And a lot of times, what you see, especially in schools where there's white teachers teaching black kids, they don't always understand the cultural nuances. Mm-hmm. They don't understand the ways that we communicate, the ways that we learn differently from other children. You know, it's a different situation. What's his name, uh, Chris Edmond wrote a book about for white teachers teaching black kids in the hood it's a great book y- y'all should check that out you should bring him to just space he's a really dope it's educator amazing. but you know here they just let them be themselves and let them celebrate in the ways that they wanted to celebrate they were flossing they were our justice and doing all they dances to jazz music, jazz music over a solo and i was like oh man this is probably how it used to be back when jazz was popular music Mm-hmm. And when the Saints go marching in, was how they used to turn up in the red light districts of New Orleans. Like this is probably what it, used to, what be it like. used to be like. You know what I mean? Now jazz is one of those. Oh, okay. <laughs> sophisticated. Paid. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got yeah. my wine. I paid twenty five hours oh, for my so ticket. Yeah, right, right, right. You know you the, media, the median age is like <laughs> sixty. You know what I mean? But here, kids are rocking out the jazz. You know, like so. Anyway, I say that to say like that's also a just space. That's also. Creating a black space like atmosphere, you know, in a school environment that might not always be conducive to celebrating or even allowing black joy to occur. Come on now, you know, because at the other school in Cary, you may one peep, they would yank you out the classroom in a heartbeat, you know. So, giving us room to be us and do us, move the body. Move the body. Don't be afraid of the body. I think that that's what kids need in order to feel nurtured and heard and seen, and uh, and like 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 home. It's not that there's no accountability. It's just that it's coming from a place of love. Love is one of our two principles. It's love and uh, the black hole nurturing the black hole. We say channeling love and nurturing the black hole. W H O L E. In all of our blackness um, and, and if're not if if we're not even as facilitators at the cipher, whatever black space does, if we're not leading with love, then we got to check ourselves. If we're not accepting blackness and all of its wonder, then we gotta, you know we got to check ourselves. And when we are doing those things, say ooh. Black space is hitting right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're we're creating a black space. That's what a black space is. I feel free.
1: <laughs> hey. Um, how how does how do kids get in black space? I mean, is there like a, is it word of mouth? And I, I want to hear about how they get in, but also, is there like a curriculum? Is there like levels? Yes. You know, how, do Good you questions. graduate from black space? Do you have to achieve certain 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 things? Are there like units do like art and music? You specialize?
0: Yeah, so, well, I'll answer all those questions. Uh, first, how you get in. Uh, we started in 2016. Actually, we started in 2014 in Chapel Hill. Um, that was right across from a teen center uh, that worked mostly with like middle school age kids. And once they got out of the teen side, they came across the hallway to black space. It was kind of like a pipeline through their teen center is how we recruited kids. When we opened up the Durham spot, I've been doing work with teens in Durham since I was 19 years old. I was a freshman in high school. I took my first black studies class and I said, yo, they're dropping gems that I never got in social studies, English, or history class at Durham School of the Arts here in Durham. So I created this, I went to my department, one of my professors was like, yo, I I want the kids at my school to know what I just learned. And so I created this curriculum, it was called Black Academics. It was basically like teaching stuff that I learned in African-American studies in college at DSA. It was in their, um, what was it? Minority study. They had a, just added like a minority studies class. I came for like a week. So anyway, I've been doing work in school since I was 19. I'm 34 years old. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of the relationships I've developed with teachers doing workshops in schools like Brogdon. I've done uh, the workshop we did today at Brogdon. It's like a 45 minute school assembly style workshop. I've done that in every school in Durham County, almost maybe not Jordan, but every high school, every middle school, every elementary school has seen this curriculum, 90% of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that process, I always mention black space. I always meet teachers who are, you know, interested. I'm recruiting kids. We, go to, we do a recruiting meeting at DSA every year, twice a year. Um, you mm-hmm. know, we do events. The cipher is an opportunity for us to recruit kids. Kids come up like, oh, what is this? Oh, yeah, we run a community center for teens. It's right there, like, right behind what we do The Cypher. Collect their emails, talk to their parents. You know, we're just out here. I would say mostly word of mouth. We don't put, like, ads in the paper or anything. But you see how big the space is. You can't fit 12 people in this room. If we, if we did too much more than word of mouth, we would be bursting at the seams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of our goals moving forward is to... Is to scale beyond what this space will allow. It's restrictive, uh, how small it is. But it's also created a lot of opportunities for us. So I'm not complaining. I'm just, you know, we don't. We're at capacity already, just through word of mouth. But you know, we recruit through our events and and with our programming, and through just my network. Having worked in schools and with community centers and in church, min- church basements at the mosque, like, Mm. born and raised in this community, you know, been able to get the word out, Mm. grassroots. Grassroots.
1: Well, I guess a final question, a final formal question I'd say is, what do you see as the future of black space? Like, what's your hope?
0: Uh, One of my hopes is, uh, I want black space to be a passport for black kids in Durham. And uh, I, I mean that literally. Like, you come to Black Space 13. We serve mostly 13 through 19. By the time you're a senior, you actually have a physical passport mm. with a passport photo and a stamp in it. Wow. We're going to Ghana. We're going to Haiti. We're going to Senegal. Doing the same stuff we do here with kids internationally. That's what I did with Beat Making Lab. I've been to more countries than I can name doing this type of work in places like Senegal and Ethiopia and Kenya and Panama and Dominican Republic and Haiti. And um, after doing that work for several years, I was just really like, this is great for me. Mm-hmm. But I was I was traveling the world when I was in middle school. My mom is a singer. We, I've been to Japan, Finland. All before high school, I was traveling internationally. I don't need more stamps on my passport you know but what what can black space institutionally do to not only open kids minds to what pan africanism looks like and means as a as a people of the african diaspora reconnecting with our cousins our cousins in Haiti and Kenya and Ghana but actually to go there and for them to see for themselves it's trans travel is transformative. It is, it it's is. transformative, and 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 one of the many goals. I got a lot of plans for Black Space, but one of them is to is to take annual pilgrimages to af- to Black countries mm-hmm. with kids from Durham, and have them come do their work. Same cipher you see out there. We're gonna do. We're gonna be doing that in Ghana, and then when they come back, they're gonna have that experience and that worldview and that kind of uh, access and that perspective that they can bring back to their people and we've we've done like many versions of that we took some kids to detroit we took like 55 people to dc to see the smithsonian museum wow. and so we've gotten kids out of durham we took a, a group of black women to, to san francisco for Brave New voices you know we, we 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 get out we we do a little bit of space travel but I'm trying to like get it. passport stamped. That's like next on my list of things to accomplish through Blackspace. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm, I'm gonna put that out there for 20, 2019 20. I'll put a slash in it. I like it. 1920. we we've already done. We did Haiti. Haiti included some kids from Blackspace, but um, it was just one kid. I, I want to bring a squad. Pierce Freelon. Is there anything else? No, oh, man, I'm good. Good. Come through the cipher.
1: I want to come through the cipher. I've been to several of them. Yeah, I
0: know you have been. <laughs>
1: I want this thing that you wear. Which one? It's, it's like a. I've been trying to find it. It's, it's, it's a. I don't, even know, I don't even know what you call it. It's not that shiki. It's, a, it's like a robe. Oh,
0: the, <laughs> the green one? I don't know if it's green or brown. Okay, I've got a, I've got several African print. Bro, I want that items. bag. Where I would, I was, I literally walked downtown to try to get it. Where'd you get that? Wow, I, I don't know which item you're talking about. I have so many African things that I picked up over the years. I mean, most of my stuff I get from Durham. You ever been in Gozi?
1: Yes, that's why well, I went there to go look, look for it.
0: Yeah, they've got. I got a, ooh wee. They had this big old like. Yeah, it's like a green mud cloth print jacket, big one. That's
1: maybe what it was because it looked burlap. It looked like it wasn't. It looked a certain. Cloth.
0: Yeah, this is the uh, this is like mud cloth. Uh, That's what it was. Yes. Yeah. That material. Yeah, yeah. I've got that at home. It's good for the winter. I got my little bubble t- tonight for the cipher, but yeah, it's good. To, it's good to layer up with your ancestors. Yeah, That's really. nice. You should they, they do custom stuff down there. You should go get measured. Check it out. I bought
1: something from them two months ago. I loved it. Yeah. It was great. It was absolutely. I've been
0: great. asking them to make me this scarf, and I found it online. So, hey.
1: Pierce is interviewed by Shelvis Ponds.
0: She
1: All editing like for this like episode has been done by Kyle Kipose. The outreach coordinator for this episode is Ezra Uzi like Mason. Today's music is called Power Man by The Beast, a local Dura music group to which Pierce belongs. This production is made possible slaves, by the Division of the Affairs Duke Cage, A-K-A. power Duke University. Power,
0: power, power,